Napoleon Bonaparte, when he came on board the Bellerophon on the 15th of July, 1815, wanted exactly one month of completing his 46th year, being born the 15th of August, 1769. He was then a remarkably strong, well-built man, about 5 feet 7 inches high, his limbs particularly well-formed, with a fine ankle and very small foot, of which he seemed rather vain, as he always wore while on board the ship silk stockings and shoes. His hands were also very small, and had the plumpness of a woman's rather than the robustness of a man's. His eyes like grey, teeth good, and when he smiled, the expression of his countenance was highly pleasing. When under the influence of disappointment, however, it assumed a dark, gloomy cast. His hair was of a very dark brown, nearly approaching to black, and though a little thin on top and front, had not a grey hair amongst it. His complexion was a very uncommon one, being of a light sallow colour, differing from almost any other I ever met with. From his having become corpulent, he had lost much of his personal activity, and if we are to give credit to those who attended him, a very considerable portion of his mental energy was also gone. It is certain his habits were very lethargic while he was on board the Bellerophon, for though he went to bed between eight and nine o'clock in the evening, and did not rise till about the same hour in the morning, he frequently fell asleep on the sofa in the cabin in the course of the day. His general appearance was that of a man rather older than he was. His manners were extremely pleasing and affable. He joined in every conversation, related numerous anecdotes, and endeavored in every way to promote good humor. He even admitted his attendance to great familiarity, and I saw one or two instances of their contradicting him in the most direct terms, though they generally treated him with much respect. He possessed, to a wonderful degree, a facility in making a favorable impression upon those with whom he entered into conversation. This appeared to me accomplished by turning the subject to matters he supposed the person he was addressing was well acquainted with and on which he could show himself to advantage. This had the effect of putting him in a good humor with himself, after which it was not a very difficult matter to transfer a part of that feeling to the person who had occasioned it. Lord Keith appears to have formed a very high opinion of the fascination of his conversation, and expressed it very emphatically to me after he had seen him, Speaking of his wish for an interview with the Prince Regent. Damn the fellow, he said. If he had obtained an interview with His Royal Highness in half an hour, they would have been the best friends in England. He appeared to have great command of temper, for though no man could have had greater trials and fell to his lot during the time he remained on board the Bellerophon, he never, in my presence or as far as I know, allowed a fretful or captious expression to escape him. Even the day he received the notification from Sir Henry Bunbury that it was determined to send him to St. Helena, he chatted and conversed with the same cheerfulness as usual. It has been asserted that he was acting a part 
all the time he was on board the ship, but still, even allowing that to be the case, nothing but great command of temper could have enabled him to have sustained such a part for so many days in his situation.' 